when I was in the hospital at three in the morning, you get this deal and you go in and it's, it's not comfortable. It's always uncomfortable to do that. It's uncomfortable. And then when the, when the lady looks at you and she says, uh, if you keep going the way you're going, we're going to have to paddle you. I haven't been paddled since I was a young man. But the kind of paddles that she was talking about, I didn't think I wanted. I said, I wish you'd put a little Vaseline on there when you, before you give me the deal. I don't want two uh, uh, suntan marks on my chest. But I mean, that, makes you, that made me a little upset. That whole deal about paddling. Now, what are you talking about that for? Why are you talking about it? Oh, you go in the hospital, it really makes you upset when they bring that trachea kit in. That, that ought to bother you. They're going to put a hole right there. And so they bring a trachea kit in, they bring them paddles in, you're like, whoa, now wait a minute, you don't need any of them in here. You don't need none of that stuff in here. That's down, that's the next room over. And I was reading that week, and I read, went across these two verses, and I want to share what God has spoken to me, and hopefully it'll help you. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee, whither thou wouldest not where you don't want to go. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Who was it spoken to was Peter. You look in the Bible, it's Peter, James, and John every time. Peter is number one. He's the leader of the pack. Peter and Jesus, this really, I believe, is some of the last words Jesus spoke to Peter Peter had uh, been horribly, horribly embarrassed, and that's not good enough even to describe what he did. Um, Jesus, just before this, if you read, go back home, read before, just before this, Jesus asks Peter three questions. You don't see this so much in the English, it's still good, but, but in, the, in the Greek, there's two words for love. One called agape, which is a self-sacrificing love. The other is phileo, which is a more of a, uh, you know, you, you scratch my back, I scratch your back. You, I, I'm fond of you. I enjoy your company. It's what they call friendship, right? Friendship. And these two loves are different. Self-sacrifice is different than a mutual friendship. And so what we see is Jesus said to Peter, do you uh, have a self-sacrificing love for me? And Peter says, no, I have phileo, fondness for you. I'm a friend of yours. The second time Jesus said, do you have a self-sacrificing love for me? And by the second question, you know, it's getting, he's getting tightened up. He said, no, I have a fondness or friendship for you. The third question, Peter, do you have a fondness for me? Jesus didn't use agape the third time. He used phileo the third time. Do you have a friendship for me? And Peter, Bible says, was grieved at his heart. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I have a friendship for you. He never admitted to having a self-sacrificing love for the Lord Jesus. And then Jesus goes right in to this verse, verse 18. And so... The amount of times I think is significant 
that Jesus asked him, do you love me? It was three times. Does that ring a bell to you? Three times, Peter denied his friend. But more than his friend, who he said, was thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He confessed that, Matthew 16. And when he denied him, he didn't deny just a, a, a friend like we have. He denied the very Messiah who was sent by God, who he knew was sealed by God, who came to die for the sins of the world. That's big. I believe that it was the lowest point of his life. I believe the three times that Jesus asked the question uh, are, are to remind him the three times he denied him. You say, well, I mean, you know, well, let me give you some background on those denials that Peter had. Mark chapter 14, verse 31. Uh, but he spake to more, Peter, Peter spake to more vehemently, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise, also they, they all said it, the rest of them. In Luke chapter 22, verse 33, he said unto them, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both to prison and to death. That's high-sounding words when you're comfortable. Peter had really gone out on the limb. Before all the rest of them boys, he said, another place he said, though all of these deny you, I'll not deny you. If I was one of them other guys, I think we'd have had to do a blanket party. Because that would have hurt my feelings. Him calling me, oh, you're going to deny Jesus, but I won't. Every time, every time a rooster crowed, Peter went. The rooster's going to crow three times, you're going to deny me. Twice, and you're going to deny me thrice. Every time. Peter had this coming. He was always one of the first ones to speak. He was always the first one to dare walking on the water. the rest I don't hear the rest of them say, hey, let us walk on the water. Peter said, hey, Lord, can I walk? And he jumps out, walks on the water. Of course, you know, he had a little trouble, but eventually, he, all I can say is the only person I ever recorded in history to walk on water beside Jesus. He was daring. He was the first to lead. Where Peter went, they all went. John chapter 21, verse 3, and Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. They say to him, we also go. We're part of your team. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately in the night. They caught nothing. So at the beginning of this chapter, Peter, this is after, you know, this is after the resurrection, folks. They should be fired up. He says, I go fishing. Now they, they tell me by the language on that, that that was a serious statement. That was like more of a permanent, we, we're going to go back fishing. Remember who he was. He was the head of a fishing company of his dad. They, he, he was the big, he was the man. And, and they caught fish. And in this passage, you want to remember that Jesus said, cast your net on the other side. And they said, well, we've been fishing all night. But on his word, they did it. They caught 153 fish. How did they know they had 153 because fishermen always count their fish. 
Those were real, live, true fishermen. They wanted, now here you got Jesus, the resurrected Christ there, with fish on the, you know, to me, I read this, I go, forget the fish, pull them back in the water, take your net and let them go back into the water. Jesus is here. No, no, they throw them up on the bank and say, now, now folks, make sure we count them. Because we want to be able to tell people, we caught 154 fish. If you got Peter, you got the rest of them. But God could not use Peter the way he was. Things in Peter's life had to change and change radically for him to be the spiritual leader that Jesus had in mind for him. And, I, and you know this to be true. Change is painful, stubborn, and hard. Today, the wallings are sitting over there. How's it feel? Feels uncomfortable. Doesn't, doesn't feel right. Who else is over there shouldn't be over there? The, the sweats. Sweats, what are you doing over there? You're supposed to be over there, brother. I, you got your place. But even moving in a seat in church is not comfortable. If you're a little further back or you're a little closer to it, all that changes just by its very nature. We're not brushing your teeth with a different toothbrush is bad. I hate changing toothbrushes. I get used to this old friend of mine. Finally, he's got no bristles on it. I think I got a chain. So I go get me a new one. That new one's rough and hard and mean. Radical treatment to Peter was needed. The thrice-fold denial was Jesus, if I may say, the thrice-fold denial of Peter was the surgery. The thrice-fold questioning of his loyalty, do you love me three times, was the medicine. Pride can only be killed by humiliation and failure. Why does God let you get into situations where you get all messed up? Because he's trying to help you to be humble. Now, if a person comes up to you and says they're humble, they're proud. But if a person ever comes up to you and says, I'm proud, they're probably humble. Because proud people think they're humble, but humble people think they're proud. Very characteristic of it was a humble person's put, put himself, I'm the trouble. I'm the problem. Problem people are like, well, he's the problem. She's the problem. They're the problem, not me. And Jesus couldn't use him. And so began to rebuild him with the Holy Spirit through this process called, this horrible process that he went through of humiliation in denying the Lord Jesus Christ and then reminding him of it when he asked him three times, do you have a self twice self-sacrificing love? Third, agreeing with him. And then he goes into this next verse. It's interesting. I, I believe Jesus lays out our life pattern in this verse, verse 18. L literally takes life and puts it in. This is what it's going to be. One way or another, this is probably where it's going to be for you. He says, when thou wast young, what did that do? That reminded him and us that nothing remains the same in this life. Oh, you 20-somethings, enjoy it. I, I sat back in my mind the other day and thought of the stuff my wife and I used to do and how long we worked and drop in bed and do it again the next day and drop in bed and do it again the next day and work and work and just stay up and read late to midnight, get five, six hours sleep at the max. And I think of us now.
Things do not remain the same. When thou wast young. Praise God if you get to be young. By the way, you get to be old too. It's a privilege. And everybody said? When you're young, you're self-sufficient. You dress yourself. You determine where, how, and when you go somewhere. You're self-directed, self-willed. You direct your life. You make your decisions. You implement your, implement your plans. That's what he's telling him. Okay, Peter, you're a go-getter, bad boy. You can, I mean, I'm bad boy meaning a good boy, but nevertheless, don't, I'm not going to explain it to you. Meaning you're strong. You're able to direct yourself. You're able to get up. Nobody's ever had to help you. Well, going to the hospital last week, that, that, just, that just makes you, they want to they wanna do stuff to you that nobody's allowed to do, not even your wife. But he says, but remember, Peter, thou shalt be old. You young people in here, serve God with the strength of your youth. Ecclesiastes talks about that. Give him everything you got. I praise God that I was 18 years old, that God allowed me to see him at 18 years old, and I began, I gave him my life for whatever little potential I had at 18. There wasn't much, but I took my little few crumbs of life and said, Lord, I'm 18. I don't know how long I live, but whatever I got, I'm going to give it to you. And God will take what you give him, and he'll do something eternal out of it, something great out of it. I'm glad that I didn't waste my youth on the things of this world. If you're young and you chose Jesus, you've chosen the best. How, how do I know? Well, first of all, the Bible says so. Secondly, I'm telling you, I'm 68. You're 24, 25. I can tell you by experience that I, you have lived for Jesus, and I've seen some sorry Christians, but I've never seen anybody sorry they're a Christian. If they live for Jesus, as the older you get, the sweeter it I think there's a song about that. The sweeter it is. You want me to sing? Yeah. You don't. You're going to get old. And all the old people said, you're going to get old. Now, I know old people don't like to admit they're old. We ought to have, we ought to vote. We ought to vote on this. When are you old? Because I get tired of these 80-year-olds telling me they're not old. I look at them and say, if you're not old, nobody's old. <laughs> David was, lived to a ripe old age, Brother Bill, 72 years old. So you're way past that. You're into almost overripe. <laughs> I mean, you're going to get to be a ripe... 72. Uh, Spurgeon, 58 years old. A lot of these old boys. They, they, you, you say, oh, my mom lived a long time. My dad lived a long time. That doesn't mean anything. One of these 95-year-olds who has a stiff neck may take you out. <laughs> when you're old, you're going to need help. You're going to want help. And this is tough. Somebody else is going to dress you. Oh, that was tough for my mama. That was tough for my mom. My mama said in prayer in, in Sunday school this morning, my, my mom wanted to live on her own, you know, and I said, Mama, you shouldn't be by yourself over here. You should live with us. We got to be over. She looked at me like it was a horror. 
not you. She said, I, my worst nightmare in life is I would have to live with my children. I said, how could that be possible? We have a beautiful place. We've treated you nicely. No, it had nothing to do about that. She didn't want her kids telling her what to do. I think that's what it was. Or you'll be dressed, boy, well, dressed by somebody else. My mom got humiliated as she went down through life. She had dementia. Seven years, downhill. Finally, she had somebody where she got incontinent, you know, and would make a mess. And she was such a, my mom was such a um, modest person. Such a modest person. And for that to happen, I knew it just broke her. But God was doing something to help her just before she got to heaven. And you're going to get old and somebody's going to dress you. Somebody's going to change you. Somebody's going to, I hate to say this, they're going to clean you up. You'll be taken and treated in a way that you do not want. With most, My dad, when he was dying in hospice, this is a real upper sermon. It's an uplifting sermon. Uh, tonight, you're going to get a good uplifting sermon. But my dad was in hospice. Now, my dad was a prize fighter. He was a Marine. He exercised every day of his life, and he died healthy. But he, he, he was used to, uh, he, was just, he, was, he died at 80, but he was pretty strong at 80. And uh, I remember I had him in hospice, and, and I'm his kid, and he looked at me, and he got this look. Now, my dad had a certain tone of voice when he told you to do something. I'm talking about, you will do this. And my dad looked at me, and he says, son, you take me out of here. I'm telling you, he said, I'm, I'm ordering you. I said, Dan, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't take you out of here. The doctor says you got one more week to live at max and mom can't help you. And, and you know, the family's agreed that this is a better situation for you. And he said, now, son, I'm telling you, you do what I tell you to do. And I had not disobeyed the man until then. When you get old, people aren't going to, you're not going to be the authority any longer. Now, if I had to do it again, I'd have taken the old boy home. I, I have some regrets about all that. Amen. It's good to die at home if you can. But whether thou wouldest not, they're going to take you, Jesus said, now, why did he say that? Peter's already down. He already, he already realized, he reminded him to deny Jesus three times and cussed and swore. And, and he's reminded that he really don't have a self-sacrificing love for God. And then Jesus just even further goes, says, you were young, but you're going to be old and people are going to take you. You're going to put your hands out to them and they're going to take you where you don't want to go. You know what he was doing? Here's what he was saying. Three words. Peter, get over it. It's in the Greek. Get over it. Get over it. It's going to happen. It happens to everybody that lives that long. It's going to happen. Put your hands forth and let it go. I'm getting some. I'm going somewhere. So you see here, Jesus lays 
out life in one verse here. A general outline of life, if you live to be so old, Peter needed to hear this, preparing, preparing for what? So that he would not be surprised what was going to happen to him in the end of life. Praise God, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm passing this information on so you'll not be surprised if it happens in your life. We should not be surprised no matter what happens at the ending of our lives. You may have cancer or a heart attack or poverty or nursing home. You may go, uh, you name it, I don't know. The end of life is going to be against your will. Is that not what he's saying? The end of life is not going to be what you're used to when you were young and made your own decisions, went where you wanted to go, dressed yourself, cleaned yourself, and all this. He said, if you live so long, you're going to be at the end of life, you're not going to have your will done anymore, and people are going to come that you don't want to come, and they're going to take you to places you don't want to go. So what? Verse 19. Verse 19. So determine to glorify God in your ending. This spake he signifying what death he should glorify God. What death he should glorify God. Don't be surprised no matter what happens at the end of your life. God is a God of variety. Who knows what he's going to have happen, but anticipate it, adjust to it, and if I may say this, literally embrace it and use it for the glory of God. Amen? Use it for the glory of God. He was telling Peter, look, you're, the, you're strong, maybe the strongest of all, all the uh, apostles that I chose. You may be young now. Use your youth for the glory of God. I speak to all the young people here. Listen, use your energy for the glory of God. But don't despise the old guy who's struggling, having that kind of energy. Use what you got for the glory of God. Be out and about. Be active. Put your hands to the plow. Because there's a day that you're coming when you won't have that. Remember, you're going to get old. Your self-sufficiency self -sufficiency will be gone. You may not even be able to talk right. Your self-reliance will be gone. Your free will in some measure will be gone. You will be humbled greatly, and you'll not be able to stop it. Now, you know, that's strange for a young person. They, they've never always been in a situation where they didn't have some control on it and could overcome it by their strength and by their will. Remember, Jesus said to glorify me in your departure process. Now, a few, a few here at the gospel. I've buried over around 200 people. Friends of mine, people I ate with, visited with, I know I can, but I'm not discouraged because in Christ, I'm going to get to see him again by the grace of God. Oh, death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? Sting of death is sin, strength of sin is the law. Thanks be to God, which give us us the victory and our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> he took the teeth out of death. Now, he still has a roar. Death still has bad breath. Death still has a roar. He'll, he'll want to roar, but he's a toothless, toothless 
enemy. For Christ in dying for us and you placing your childlike faith in him have destroyed the power of death and been born in the family of God. And what's the last word of the what's the last word of the verse? It's not the least. Even though it's last, it's not the least. Follow me. Follow me. That's the underlying theme. Whether you're young, whether you're middle-aged, whether you're old, whatever's going on, just keep following Jesus. Follow, follow. I will follow Jesus. Everywhere, anywhere, anywhere, everywhere. I will follow him. And we just sing that. You know, Jim and I did not talk about that. He did not know I was going to deal with that. Follow me. Don't be angry at God. Don't be upset at it. He's already told you. See, uh, for, uh, to be, there's a little truism called to be forewarned is to be something. But I can't remember what it is. Forearmed. I wonder why I couldn't think of that. Because I'm getting old. <laughs> to be forewarned, to be forearmed. That's what Jesus is doing. He's warning, giving you a heads up this morning. Now, I don't know where you're at in all of this, but you're somewhere in this. He says, in all of it, just keep following me. Put your head down. Just keep following me. Just keep looking at the Word of God. Keep trusting me, because I'm going to be with you. Verily, verily, I send to you, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and others shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. And I don't know what you're going to go through. And by the way, if I may say this, you don't know what you're going to go through. Amen? What I was going to say a, a while back was, some people, by, and I don't know why, I wish I could put my finger on it, but I can't. Some people, death is not a long, hard process. It's a quick transfer from this life to the next. In other words, to some people, death is just walking through a door. Literally, Literally two minutes, a minute, they were alive, and now they're with God. Uh, Bob Sandsmark, some of you may remember Bob. Bob, 60-year-old man, he and I went door-to-door -door on Saturday. We went up steps, down steps, up steps, down steps, up steps, down steps. The whole time it was a multi-floored, and we were going up and down, and he never complained of anything. He was, uh, he was a big man, but he never complained of anything. No pain, no problem. The next morning he was getting ready for Sunday school class, and uh, he laid down took a nap. He had some time. Somebody in Sunday school said, Bob Sandsmark came up to me in kind of a panic. He said, Bob Sandsmark's not here today. And he taught a, a Sunday school class. And I said to the guy, without hesitation, if Bob Sandsmark's not here, he's dead. Now that's the way you sh I should talk about you. He was so faithful. He was so on, on point. He was so hands on the plow that when Bob Sandsmark didn't show up for Sunday school, I said, he's dead. Now I didn't know he was dead and later on it was told me, yeah, he laid down and took a nap. Angel showed up, called his name, he took off. Some people get to die like that. Oh, now that's a beautiful thing. Don't you ever feel sorry for anybody who drops dead except for this. It's only good if you're right with God. If you're not right with God this morning, death is a horrible enemy. Something to be feared. 
something you should fear because death seals your decision making. Did you know when you die, you'll never have another free will decision after that, according to the Bible? God takes over. And he says, you get to trust my son as your savior in this thing called life. This is your window of opportunity called life. If you do not, during this window of opportunity, exercise that free will I gave you as a gift because you're made in my image, once you die, you've sealed your destiny. The Bible says in the 20th chapter of Revelation, you can read it, you'll stand before a thing called the great white throne judgment, all those that are lost, and Jesus will be on the throne. Having not trusted him as your savior, you have not received the salvation he offered as a free gift, you will have no excuses. And I don't want anybody in the sound of my voice this morning to be like that. If you're here without Jesus, why don't you say yes to Jesus today? Let us talk to you. Afterwards, when the music's over, it's not over. You can talk to us. I'll be out there. Some other people, Brother Chris will be out here. Brother Thomas will be out here. Brother Steve will be around. And we'll talk to you. We'll be glad to tell you what it means to be saved and lead you in the way that we were led. Don't you live one more day without Jesus. And if you're a Christian... Don't worry. Don't fret. Just trust God. Just trust Him all the way home. Father, thank you today for your Holy Spirit. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.